The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. It's time to forage for food. This show we're going to be talking about foraging and also preserving the food you forage. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. Peter cried out, we're all gonna die. It's my opinion that we all should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues involved with off-grid living. And from time to time, I'll throw in some political comments as well, because I really do feel that our republic is worth saving. And any chance I have to do that, I take it. My goal I wish to accomplish with this show is to make my listeners self-sufficient and also to help them build their faith in God. This show comes to you from the Harmony Barn Studio, located near Hershey, Nebraska in the United States of America. This show is aired on KYAH, 540 AM, Delta, Utah, Utah's Talk Authority. It can also be heard on 89.3 FM, Key Radio in Osage Beach, Missouri. And on shortwave, it can be heard on WRMI, Radio Miami International. This show is also a podcast available on demand by these services. Anchor, Spreaker, PodPoint, and PodPage. And I thank you so much for tuning in. I got a good show planned for you today, and we're going to be talking about several different things. But I'm going to start off by thanking everyone again for all of your great emails. I had several really informative emails, and one of them I really want to touch on because I got an email from a gentleman who was very well trained. And I'm not a trained engineer by any stretch of the imagination, I'm just a guy out here that's learned how to survive and learned how to make his own electricity, and learned how to navigate through this crazy world as best as I can. And so if I have any listeners out there that have more expertise on certain things and they need to correct me or want to add some input into the show, you are absolutely more than welcome to. Because this show is not about me. This show is about helping you. And I don't care who helps my listeners, me or another listener or whoever. I'm here to help. And so I'm going to share this email. And I want everyone to know that this email was concerning my last episode when I talked about inverters. 
I got this great email from Vincenzo, and I thank you for this. He's a trained engineer, and he had an awful lot of things that he wanted to comment on, and he was right on every comment. On the show, on the last episode, I mentioned that you can burn up inverters and so forth, and he rightfully stated that you don't burn them up, not literally. Me being a layman, I use layman slang, and he says that 99.9% of malfunctions in all electronics are power MOSFETs and large electrolytic capacitors. And he further pointed out that they're very inexpensive. And so really when you have a unit go down, you need to look into repairing them because the actual parts aren't going to cost that much. And so when I say burn up, I don't mean burn up literally as in turn to ashes. I just meant non-functional. But he points out that 99.9% are those two items. And I really appreciate that. And then also I was saying how I thought you should buy a little bit more power than you need or else you possibly could be stressing your inverter if you try to push the limits of an inverter. And there is a rule out there that I was not aware of and electrical engineers call the one-third, two-third rule. And that rule is you always use two-thirds of their maximum consistent output. Now the word here, consistent, not the maximum output. Because, like I said before, they cook the numbers. They might say it's a 5,000 watt, but consistent output, it might be more comfortable at a 3,000 watt. So you find out what the maximum consistent output. So I'm going to start this over. You always use two-thirds of their maximum consistent output. And he says the same applies to source works for loads. And so when you buy a motor... You buy it with a higher mechanical output power according to the one-third, two-third rule. And he says that's the magical optimum ratio. And once again, I cannot thank him enough for putting this input into the show. And so all you people out there that are going to buy equipment, bookmark this episode, or if you're listening to this as a podcast, go back and write that one-third, two-third rule down. I think that's very important. And he also stated that there's different quality of Chinese type of electronics. And let's be honest, we don't make much here anymore. And a lot of it comes from China. And he rightfully pointed out that all of it comes from the new evil empire. And it does. And I could not agree with his email more. And he also gave another very, very good suggestion. And it's one that I totally blew it on. I've seen them before, too. I just didn't think about it. And if you're thinking about getting a bicycle, and he pointed out that for bicycles, you could get kits for around $200 that are very easy to install that turn any bicycle into an electrical bike. And it runs on tool batteries. And they consume just a a small fraction of energy as compared to something that you would use with gasoline or if you would build a gasifier. And again, I agree with that too. I've seen these electric bikes and I've also and I've always thought they were cool. I don't know why I didn't think about that. So I want to thank Vincenzo for sending in that great email because I tell you what, the advice in this email is absolutely spot on. And I encourage all electrical engineers or other people who can put some positive input into the show, I would really appreciate it. Because I'm just one guy out here doing the best I can. 
and I know that I'm not doing the best I can if I just stay within myself. Because I have a very limited scope, and as far as education towards electronics, everything I've done is trial and error. You might say from the school of hard knocks. And so anybody who has the training and the knowledge, I really do appreciate your input. And thanks again, Vincenzo. I really appreciate it. It seems like the show is growing. I'm getting more emails all the time. I'm reaching more people. And I'm going to grow the show even more. It's time to expand once again. And I'm still going to expand on WRMI. I don't know what the holdup is exactly. I know that they're just trying to get everything right the first time as far as getting all their scheduling. But the transmitter is up and operational. And so I have to be like you. I have to be patient. And when it's ready to happen, it'll happen. But in the meantime, I'm going to be putting this show on more podcast sites. I know that there's dozens of podcast sites out there that I have totally ignored. And I've had several emails, people telling me, well, why aren't you on this site or on that site? Well, the reason is, is I just have not set up an account or uploaded to those sites. And so that's what I'm going to be doing very soon, possibly within the next week. And so I'll make some more announcements on the next show of just exactly where the new locations are going to be that this show is going to be available. And I do appreciate all the listeners, and it's because of you the show is growing. And I've got to say one more time to the people who are donating to the show, you have absolutely no idea how critical that is to keep this show on the air. And I want to touch on donating real quick. And I'm not talking about donating to me or my show. I'm talking about donating to put skin in the game. I really truly feel that if you get something from the different shows, whether it be a show like InfoWars or Truth to Ponder, CSC Talk Radio, Perilous World Radio, any of the shows out there that are worthwhile listening to, and I know there's lots of them out there, if you have a show that you listen to, and I'm going to include Hal Turner too, if you have a show out there that you listen to, that you're getting something from that show, I highly recommend that if possible, that you support the shows that you go to to get your news and information. And the reason I say that is I truly feel like we are entering into an absolutely horrid time in our history. And I think that it's very vital that you keep the truth tellers on the air. And I hope that I would be among who you would want to support. But even if I'm not, I'm going to tell you this truthfully. I'm just going to tell you bluntly how I feel. I feel that we all have to have skin in the game of some sort if we're going to beat this new world order. If we're going to take this cabal of evil and put it in the ash heap of history, it's going to take us all. You know, I'm a broadcaster out here, and people can have all sorts of visions in their head of what a broadcaster is and what a broadcaster looks like and how they operate and so forth and so on. But I want you to know that most of the broadcasters that you listen to, as far as the new truth media, they're doing it from their living rooms. They're doing it from their office in their house. In my case, my show comes to you from a livestock barn in Nebraska. Literally. Matter of fact, as I sit here in my studio, I can hear the animals outside my door. I have the studio insulated, but 
Cows can get pretty loud. So when I'm talking about the New Truth broadcasters, I'm not talking about three-piece suits. I'm not talking about producers. I'm not talking about people with staff. I am the staff. I am a one-man operation. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer of this outfit. Bob Bierman, same way. Hal Turner, same way. There's an awful lot of us out here in the New Truth Media who are lone wolf, one-man operations that the only reason we're doing this is because we care enough to put our skin in the game. And if we all would chip in and put a little skin in the game, we can help all of the New Truth Media survive this onslaught that's coming. And so I do appreciate those that donate to anyone in the New Truth Media. I really do. Now it's time I got this show on the road as far as what I want to talk about today, the new items. It's time for you to start foraging your early plants as far as your wild plants that are growing. And there's quite a few of them. Now, so far, I've harvested some wild mustard and some wild asparagus and some dandelions. And I forgot to mention two others, mallows and curled duck. They're ready to go right now. And so what I've been doing is I've been out foraging and I've been enjoying some really nice fresh salads. And also I like to cook with some of these different things that I have. And so I'm going to touch on how to harvest these, what to do with it after you harvest it, and then how you use it after you have it harvested. Okay, if you don't know what curled dock is, just go on the internet or go into a library. Just look up curled dock, and I'm going to start there. Curled dock is very leafy, and the younger it is, the better it is. As a matter of fact, almost everything you forage, you want to get it young and tender because they tend to get real woody and stemmy if you don't get them what I call in season. And right now, the things I'm going to mention are in season in my area. Now, in your area, you might have an entirely different group of plants. And so you're going to have to do your own research in your area to find out the edible plants that are ready to harvest in early spring. Okay, back to curl dock. Curl dock is a really dark green Big leafy, real big and leafy. Kind of looks like romaine lettuce in, in a roundabout way. And, it, and it's very tasty. You can eat it fresh in either a salad or you can boil it like spinach. And if you decide to cook it, wash it real well. Chop it up, chop it up into about one inch squares. Put it in and steam it or boil it. Not until it's just a pile of mush, but to where it's done. You can tell when it's cooked. And then just add some seasoning to taste. Onion powder, salt, pepper, butter, that kind of thing. And you have a very nice, nutritious side dish. And then also in salad, again, you take it and wash it well and cut it into one-inch squares. That's best. You can make a standalone salad with it after you chill it. Put it in your refrigerator for an hour or two. Or you can mix it into a toss salad with other ingredients. And I like to add some mallows and also some dandelions to my salad when I put in some curled dock. Now, I personally like the taste of curled dock. I think it's a very tasty side dish. And I like it both as a salad and cooked. But there's one thing about curled dock that you need to know. 
as well as almost everything you're going to forage. If your body is not used to it, your body will react a little bit. And so you don't want to overeat any of these things I'm going to talk about. And so I would take a half a portion until your body gets used to it. Because if you take a huge helping of curled dock, well, you're going to know it the next morning because you're going to be running to the bathroom pretty early in the morning. Because it acts as a mild laxative if you overeat. But that said, if you do have trouble in that department with constipation, that is an absolute wonderful way to naturally help cure that problem. Because curl dock is not only nutritious, it's also pretty good for your digestive tract. Just don't overdo it. Broadcasting from the United States of America, you are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. We want to be Utah's source for everything off-grid. Now I'm going to move on to mallows. Mallows are related to wild geraniums. As a matter of fact, I had mallows here growing here all the time, and I thought they were wild geraniums until I really got into researching and found out they were indeed mallows. And mallows are something that the Europeans ate when they had the Dark Ages and the plague, the bubonic plague and things like that. Mallows are what the population ate to keep them alive. And so they're very nutritious. And the leaf is a very broad, round type leaf. And it's also dark green. And you don't want to eat the stems because the stems are pretty tough. But again, you want to take this and you want to chop it up. And as far as texture goes, I would say that mallows are just a little bit grainy in a salad. I'll put one or two in a salad. But the leaves tend to be, I'm going to use a layman's term again, the leaves tend to be a little fuzzy, and the texture seems to be a little odd as far as eating mallows raw. But when you go ahead and cook them, that fuzziness or that texture goes away. And again, you don't overeat those because they have the same effect as a curled dock, not quite as bad, but they're also a great substitute for spinach. And while I'm thinking about it, I forgot one other. It's time to start getting your wild mint. And I have wild mint growing everywhere. I don't know why I forgot about it, because I'm going to go harvest some tomorrow. I guess I have too much on my mind. I've been planting my garden. As a matter of fact, I just got through planting parsnips and decided I better come in and do a show before I got onto my next project, which is working on some hay machinery. And mallows grow about everywhere. And you probably can find mallows inside cities, in sidewalks, growing through the cracks, that kind of a thing there. They're a plant that is very hardy, and it can grow almost anywhere, in almost any circumstance. And so they're a great plant to have around. And I used to think I was very unlucky to have some of that in the driveway and some of that in the yard. And I used to spray this kind of thing before I started figuring out what I was spraying. As a matter of fact, I had quite a field of curled dock several years ago, and I decided to get rid of it, and I went out and sprayed it. Now I wish I had that field back, because I could have just literally walked out my door and had fresh salad anytime I wanted. 
Now I have to forage for it and find it, whereas I had it right there. So I would say research all the plants in your yard or in your area before you spray them, because you might be spraying something that you really don't want to. And mallows are one of those things that you normally would spray. But mallows can be cultivated. They have nice little flowers, and so they're kind of pretty. And so you can incorporate those into a flower garden, and they'll add a very nice green and every once in a while a nice little purple flower. But what you're really after is that nice round leaf. And again, chop it up and treat it like spinach. And if you want to put it in a salad, don't overdo it because the texture is odd. And of course, almost everyone knows what asparagus is and how to eat that. But wild asparagus really excels to eat raw. So either take a spear of asparagus and just eat it raw, or if you want to dip it into some ranch dressing or something like that, or you can chop it up in like one quarter inch bite-sized pieces and add those to a tossed salad. And also you can boil asparagus. But again, you have to get it when it's young and tender. You don't want to get it when it gets to be a foot high. And if you do that, you can just eat, you just have to eat the tops of it because the closer to the ground you get, the woodier the stem is going to be. And I'm going to be talking about how to preserve some of these things, but I'm not going to tell you how to preserve asparagus other than just can it like you would green beans. That's the best way to do with asparagus. I know some people like to pickle asparagus. I've never done that, but I'm sure that that will work too. But I would can it like green beans. But the rest of the plants that I'm going to forage and I'm going to talk about, the way I preserve it is by drying it. And I'll get into more of that in just a moment. And of course, the dandelions are out. And the dandelions are very strong tasting. You have to kind of acquire a taste for it. But the leaves are very good in tea. The leaves are also very good to boil and just eat it like spinach. Again, they're a little strong. You have to get used to them. The roots are very nutritious. The stems I would not eat. And the flowers are very nutritious. And so it's a very nice plant to have growing in your area if you want to forage. And I would say that dandelion greens eaten as a salad is probably the best way to do dandelions. And also, if you don't want to have a whole bunch of that really strong dandelion taste, just substitute, let's say, one quarter of your romaine lettuce if you're going to have a tossed salad with romaine or iceberg lettuce. Just take about a quarter of that lettuce and exchange it with dandelions, and it'll give a nice flavor to your salad without overpowering. And I guess I should have mentioned that on the other things. You can make things very overpowering as far as the natural plants because they do have more flavor than the vegetables you buy in a store. And it's pretty easy for the wild plants to overpower some of the domesticated plants. And that's the beauty of some of this foraging. You're getting sometimes more than twice the nutritional value. And you're always getting a taste sensation when you use some of these foraged wild plants. Now there's several kinds of wild mustard, a lot of varieties. Some of the varieties are yellow-topped. Some of them are actually purple-flowered, and they're distant cousins, but they're basically the same plant with a different color flower. But they don't always share a common name, but they're all in the mustard family. And that is where we get commercial yellow mustard from, is plants that were approved from wild mustard plants. 
And I think that the purple flowered ones have a better flavor as far as strong. They almost have a little bit of horseradish bite, just a little bit, just a touch of a bite, maybe more like a radish, maybe more like a table radish kind of bite more than a horseradish. But definitely it has a little zing to it. And you can use the wild mustard in a salad. And again, you want to use the leafy parts and the flower parts because the stems are way too woody. But what I like to use the wild mustard for is I replace chives. And I know chives are easy to grow and lots of people grow chives. But if you want to have a native version to take place of chives, that's going to give a little bit of zing to your food. This is the way to go. And I know last night I spiced one of my side dishes with the wild mustard. I chopped it up very fine and put in about a half cup along with some onions and some red peppers, into some rice. And it really had a nice flavor to it. And then, of course, the mint. You can just take the leaves and pop one in your mouth and have a nice minty flavor in your mouth. Or you can do what I do with mine, is I don't hardly ever eat it raw, but I use it as a spice and I dry it. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about preserving some of this food and drying it and how to store it and how to use it as a spice. Because there's an awful lot of plants out there that have extraordinary value. And I know lots of people kind of feel turned off. They go, I'm not going to go out and eat weeds. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Your grandparents and great-grandparents and all the people before that, they didn't think of them as weeds. They thought of them as food. We have to understand that over the last 150 years, especially over the last 100 years, the people that have the money, the people that basically rule the world behind the scenes, and they're there, and most people know that, they've been very, very good at what they do. And just like they make everything bad is now good, and everything that traditionally has been known as good is now bad, well, they've done that with our food. Now, what better way to control a population than to control their food source? If you control their water and their food and their energy, then you control them 100%. And so while our ancestors knew what food there was out there to eat, could just walk out and eat, didn't ever have to worry about being hungry. Maybe they didn't eat exactly what they wanted to eat when they wanted to eat it, but they had something to eat. We've lost that as a society. We think that if the grocery store shelves are bare, we are going hungry. And I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely not the case if you know how to forage. And also, I have a listener who I've been in contact with that's going to be a guest, and I need to set that up. That's another thing I have to do in the next day or two is get that all lined up. And she's from the city area and grew up in the city, but yet her mother used to go out and forage. And she found all sorts of things inside the city to forage. And so the plants are out there. You just need to educate yourself on what you're looking for. And again, with any wild plant, don't just go out there and start eating wild plants because some of them can be toxic. Some of them can actually be fatal. And so like with mushrooms and different kinds of things, be very cautious. And, you know, some people go out there and they might pop some poison ivy or something in their mouth. You do not want to do that. Some poison ivy or some stinging nettles or something that can harm you. And so really know your stuff, 
do your research, and then also verify your research before you put anything into your diet. That's the best plan. And again, start off slow in moderation. Let your body get used to it. And I'm going to tell you that once you get your body acclimated to some of these wild plants, you'll find out that you actually crave them and you feel better after you've eaten the plants because that nutritional value, you really feel it. But I'm going to touch again on the fact that we have been trained, and I'm going to use the word brainwashed because I think it applies here, into thinking that there is no food other than the food that is available through the proper channels. And it goes the same way with natural medicines. There are natural medicines out there that I use all the time, but I don't want to be like Bill Gates and practice medicine without a license. I'm just going to say this. Everybody needs to study the medicinal plants in their area, and you need to consider using them. Because I have five or six plants here that grow on the ranch that I use medicinally, and I use them very successfully. As a matter of fact, two of the things that I use are far superior than anything I've ever bought over the counter. And so my understanding is that a lot of the modern drugs are just synthesized versions of the natural real thing. And so do your research there too. But understand that you're prejudiced and you're biased against foraging for food because you're eating weeds or you're biased against natural medicine really isn't the thought that you put in your own head. It was a thought that was put there by the industry. Because I truly feel that as a human species, we're being farmed. And I refuse to be farmed. So I do my best to take care of myself and to help take care of others. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to come back and talk all about preserving some of this great food that you forage. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations. And we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off. It's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. This next song was recorded in 1902 by the Edison Military Band. America, played by the Edison Military Band.
Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. Replace despair with determination. And don't be afraid to rely on God and step out on the sea. Listening to the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show on KYAH, Utah's Talk Authority. Welcome back to the second half of the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun, and I really appreciate you being aboard today very, very much. And we've been talking about foraging food, among other things. And I mentioned that I was in the garden today planting my garden. Well, I've been trying to get the garden in for several days, and I like to do and I like to get the garden in all within about a week of when I start planting. And I'm pretty much there. I'm right on track. I just got three or four more things to plant, and then this weekend I'm going to put in my tomatoes, and then I'm going to be all planted. Then it comes time to weed. And that's where I'm going to pick up on this side of the break is weeding your garden. As I was planting my garden, I found four or five species in my garden of edible plants. And so I incorporated those into the rows. And so there are weeds that I will not pull. I'll pull them and harvest them when it's time to pull them, but I'll let them grow a little bit and so I can take them in and use them. Just as long as I don't let them mature and go to seed or let them compete with the garden vegetables that I planted, But you have to understand, you have to have a mindset that if you have a food plot and you have food growing in it, don't destroy one kind of food to get another kind of food. Incorporate it in to where you have both. It's very easy to do. As a matter of fact, as I was planting my parsnips, there was a section of my garden that is kind of overrun with mallows. And so what I did was I left the mallows alone and just weeded out the ragweeds and other little things I'm not going to use out from the mallows. So I'm already weeding the mallows. And so I'm weeding weeds away from my weeds, I guess. Again, that's we've been brainwashed. They're not weeds. They're food. And some of them that are not food are medicine. And so, again, do your research. What I'm going to be doing after I get done recording this show I'm going to go out and build something I needed to build for the last month and a half, and that's a solar food dehydrator. Now, I did another show where I mentioned quite a bit in detail of how to make a solar 
food dehydrator, but I'm going to touch on it again on this episode because that's what I'm going to be doing is harvesting an awful lot of wild plants in the next couple of weeks. Because these early plants, like I say, you got to get them early because you don't want them to go to seed or get woody. And you only have like a week or two window when they're really optimum. Matter of fact, the window's probably more like three or four days if you want to get them at the height of when you should get them. But you have like two weeks before they start really getting woody. And so you want to get them right before they flower or right after they flower. You don't want that flower to set. You don't want them to go to seed. There's many ways to dry plants. You can take them and hang them. You can take plants and put them in bundles, tie them together by the stems, hang them upside down in bundles inside a room. That dries them pretty well. But the trouble with that is that when you have something hanging off the ceiling, seems to be a great place for flies to land. And you don't want flies to be landing all over your food. That's for sure. And so only if you have a very secure building with no possibility of insects would I take them and hang them in a room. Now, I've done it before, but I've almost always found that part of it or all of it was contaminated. So I personally have had good luck with it drying, but I've had bad luck with insects staying away from it. And in years past, I've just taken the plants into the house and I've dried them there. And that works really well. But they don't dry in the house that fast or that well. It takes them quite a bit longer for them to actually dry. And the longer it takes for a plant to dry, the more you're inviting some sort of a fungus or something to start growing on the plant while it's still, I'm going to call it raggy, when it's still, when it's about halfway dry and halfway not. So it's better to dry it as fast as you can, but you don't want to throw it in an oven and cook it. I know there's a whole bunch of really good commercial dryers out there you could buy. And if you have the money and that's what you want to do, well, consider that. But we have the best plant dryer in the world in the sun. And so all we have to do is get our plants into the sun. But you have to do it in a way where the insects won't get to your plants or the wind will blow your plants away or dust will get on them or anything like that. Curled dock takes a little while to dry because the leaves are so dense. But you could use curled dock in its dried form as well as using it for salads or as a replacement for boiled spinach. And so you can do this with dandelions, dandelion flowers. You can do it with the leaves. I imagine you could also dry the roots and grind them into a powder. I've never done that. I've always just had the roots fresh. So really what I'm talking about are the leaves of the plants or the flowers. Get yourself a box. I'm just going to give an arbitrary number. The box could be a foot by a foot. It could be six inches by six inches. It could be 10 feet by 10 feet. But I'm just going to say three feet square. Get yourself a box. You want it to be no less than six inches deep and probably no more than a foot deep. And you want the box to be open on the bottom and open on the top. And you find a good place that's going to be in the sun. Then you take a nice screen, and I would say a nylon screen, and you put that along the bottom. And if what you're going to put in is fairly heavy, put some hardware cloth on over the top of the screen. But you don't want to have your plant touching the metal. 
because you don't want any transference of the metal into your plant as it's drying because it might take the flavor and give it a real metallic flavor. And so you don't want to have your plants drying on metal. You want your plants drying on wood or nylon or something like that. And I use nylon screen. But again, if the nylon screen looks like it's going to be too saggy, get some hardware cloth, like a quarter inch hardware cloth. You put that on the bottom side of your nylon screen. That way you have the support, but yet the plants are still not touching that metal. Then on all four sides of the box, I would make three or four one inch holes. North, south, east, and west side of the box. Then I would put some window screening and I would take a stapler or some tacks or hot glue or something. And I would glue screens in place over these holes. This is to keep the insects out. And so now you have a screen on the bottom. You have holes on the side with screen. Now on the top, you're going to want to put glass. Now if you have like a window out of an old house that's a four-pane window, that'll work. Anything that's going to take and change the rays of sunlight as it comes in and breaking the waves of the sun, that'll really intensify the heat. That's why your car gets so hot in the summer. Because as the long light waves from the sun hit your window, those long light waves are broken. And that actually makes it hotter. And that's the whole concept behind a microwave. Because the waves are micro at that point, very hot. And so the more the light is broken up, as far as the waves are, the hotter it can be. You can also use clear plastic, but that seems to filter out some of the sunlight. So I think glass is much better. And also it's better not to have a four-pane glass window. If you can have just one single piece of glass, that's better too. And if you want to make it hotter inside, you can paint the inside of the box black. Some people do, some people don't. I have never done that, but I know that that should help hold the heat in. That probably would be helpful, but I've never tried it. Then the plant that you're going to dry, you put them out, spread them out evenly across that screen and try to make it to where they're really not touching each other because the more they touch each other, the longer it's going to take them to dry. You take this box out that has a screen on the bottom, you load it through the top, then you put your glass over the top. You can be just as simple as laying a piece of glass over the top, or you can build a frame with glass in it, with hinges on it, and you can make it elaborate. But again, you want to keep it to where insects can't get through there. And so while it doesn't have to be airtight, it really should be insect-proof. Then you take the box, and you set it in a sunny location, and you tilt the box towards the sun. Now, if you want the box to be more efficient, Put a piece of metal behind the box that's shiny, like a piece of tin or galvanized metal, in a sheet, and you make a semicircle around the back. That'll really help concentrate the sun inside of the box. You have it tilted up at a 40 to 45 degree angle, depending on your angle to the sun, and you face the sun with it. And you may have to move this box several times a day to where it keeps facing the sun but it won't take very long for the plants inside there to dry. And you want them to be powder dry. You don't want them to be almost dry. You want them to be 100% dry. Dry enough that if you put them into a jar, they're not going to mold. Because if you don't dry them thoroughly, and they still have a little bit of moisture in it, 
and you seal them up into a jar, you're going to lose it all. So you're wanting to dry this as much as possible without overdoing it. You don't want to dry it to where it's bleached out, to where the nice green is now brown. You don't want to go that far with it. You want to take it out of your dryer at the right time. Under drying is a lot worse than over drying. Just keep that in mind. But I try to take mine out when the color is still really good, but I can take it and crush it and turn it into powder between my fingers. That's how I personally test this. Now, if you want to go ahead and process your dried food at that time, you can grind it or crush it and put them in Ziploc baggies or put them in something that seals tight, like a plastic bowl with the lid that snaps on tight. Or you can put them into jars with very tight-fitting lids. You don't want any moisture to be absorbed by the plants that you put in. Because once you dry them, they're like a sponge. Every little bit of moisture, they're going to want to reabsorb. And so you don't want to dry them and then set them on a counter for an hour or two and then deal with them. You want to deal with them really quick after you dry them. Because when you remove it out of your dryer, then immediately it starts going the other way. It starts gaining humidity. And what I do with mine is after I dry them, I crush them. And I don't necessarily go ahead and finish them out. I just crush them to where I can put them into my Ziploc baggies or put them into a jar with a tight-fitting lid. And then later on, when I have more time, if they need to be processed further, then I can. And what I mean by processed further, lots of the things I harvest, I use as spices. And so if it's a spice that needs to be ground really fine, I put it in a stone mortar. And I just, take and I just take it and crush it with a stone mortar until it's powder. And then I put it into another airtight container. And that way it keeps its freshness and keeps its vitality, keeps its flavor. And then other plants, like the curled dock, that initial crushing is more than enough. Because curled dock can either be rehydrated by putting it in water for an hour, and then you can add it to your salad. And it still tastes pretty good. It might be a little mushy, but it still tastes good. But the best way to use curled dry dock is to put it in water and boil it, and then season it to taste and have it just like you would boiled spinach. And so these are a few things that you can prepare and put away in your food pantry. And I think that every day that you get stronger is a good thing. Because I really truly feel that every day the world is getting weaker. I think everything is totally out of control. And so I think you need to get control of your own food source. And I think you need to do it now. And if you can be putting groceries on your shelf without money coming out of your pocket, then you got the best of both worlds right there. And not only are you not putting money out for food, if you can find plants within walking area of your house, you're not spending any fuel money to go get your food either. And so you get a double win right there. And throughout the year, different plants are going to mature. You have your early plants, and we're right in the middle of that right now. Then you have your mid-season plants, and I'll touch on that when the time comes. And then you have your late-season plants. And some of your late-season plants are some of your tastiest plants. 
and they're worth the wait. But the ones that are going to give you the highest yield are your early plants. So if you live near a field that has lots of curled dock in it, if you want to spend the time harvesting that curled dock and drying it, curled dock grows dense enough and heavy enough that you can literally fill your entire pantry with dried curled dock. And again, it's a great food source. And so you can take your situation into your own hands right now because I think it's time to do that. And so go out and do some foraging. The walk will do you some good. The fresh air is great. And also, it might help change your view of the world because the world is not hopeless unless we give up. And I, for one, am never going to give up. And also, those who have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior know that we already have victory in Jesus. And so I invite everyone to go out and spend a couple of really nice days in some very nice sunny weather. It doesn't have to be a chore or drudgery. It could be fun. Go out and see what you can find and introduce yourself into a whole new world of taste sensations because there's a lot of tasty things out there that you've been mowing and spraying and cursing for years. A lot of these are very, very good plants. So good hunting, everybody. Go out, go out and fill your pantries. Thunderbolt West Media Production. Now, I personally think the world is going the wrong way. As a matter of fact, I think most everybody feels that. And everyone I've talked to in the last two weeks, that's all they want to talk about is Armageddon, the end of the world, things that are going bad, things that are awful. And it doesn't matter what age group, what gender, doesn't matter who I'm talking to. That's the first thing that comes up. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so I know that this is heavy on lots of people's minds. But know that you can be your own solution. All you have to do is do your research and believe in yourself. Because I want all of my listeners to get through these awful times with the least amount of difficulty possible. And that's why I'm here. I'm just trying to help. Many years ago, it was pointed out to me by an old man when I was about 12 or 13 years old. He looked at me and said, Boy, the only reason we're put on this planet is to help each other. And don't you ever forget that. And I never have forgot that. And that's lifelong advice that I've always taken to heart. And I think that that is why we're here, is to help each other and to have each other's backs. And before I end the show today, i got one more topic that I want to touch on, and that's the fact that the United States government, illegitimate Joe and his ilk, are doing everything in their power to bring our economy down. It's painfully obvious to me that they're doing everything in their power just to destroy. This Build Back Better nonsense is just that, nonsense. Building back better by destroying? Think about it. As of last week, illegitimate Joe has put a decree out 
that is going to end more drilling in Alaska and in the Gulf of Mexico. Now you look at the high prices of fuel right now, and you see how volatile everything is. While on one hand he is asking other countries to step up their production, but yet his actions speak louder than his words. And his actions are to totally destroy the petroleum industry in the United States. You couple that with the Ukraine shutting off one-third of the natural gas into Europe, and then other European countries will not buy from Russia. And so we have quite a mess going on. And then when you look at the fact that China is rehearsing invasion plans for Taiwan, and the Iran nuclear deal just fell through, which I'm glad it did. That was a horrible, horrible deal. Of course, they kept all the money that Obama sent them. He sent an astronomical amount of cash over to Iran. Now, I think by now, anyone who listens to this show can see the handwriting on the wall. The federal government is setting us up for failure. Look at what they've done with the interest rates. It's crashing the housing market. Just like in 2008, there was a bubble. And the bubble bursts. Well, the bubble is about to burst again, I'm afraid. And the federal government is doing everything in their power to seem to facilitate the destruction and to accelerate it. Now, why would they do that? Well, it's all part of their great reset. It's all part of the New World Order. And I do think things are going to come tumbling down and tumbling hard. And I'm afraid that it's going to come tumbling down a lot faster than what we realize. Because right now, fuel prices are just out of sight. But now with this new decree that illegitimate Joe has put against more drilling in Alaska and also in the Gulf of Mexico, that's going to do nothing but drive the prices of fuel higher, which is going to drive the price of everything up. And I'm sure lots of independent truckers are going to have to go out of business. And certain railroad companies are already refusing to haul feed to animals and fertilizer. And you couple that with the fertilizer crisis because Russia is where the world gets most of the fertilizer. So you kind of see where I'm going. We have a perfect storm. And so I want everyone out there that listens to this show, please buckle down. Please get on a huge learning curve. Find out what you can do for yourself. Because we're coming fast, very fast, to a time where you're going to have to rely on your wits. You're going to have to rely on your planning. And you're going to have to rely on yourself 100% to get through this. Now, I'm doing my best to try to wake people up and to train people. Now, my shortcomings are is I'm not trained myself. Everything that I've done in my life has been trial and error. I am definitely from the school of hard knocks. And there's lots of people out there that have very good training. And it's time for those people to put their training into use and to help train other people. Because it's time, folks. It's almost on us. I feel it. I wish I was wrong. But please, everyone, prepare. And again, I want to tell everybody about my book, Surviving Hard Times. I'd like to get that book to you free of charge as a PDF in an email file. And all you would have to do is email me at jim at offgridliving.faith, 
jim at offgridliving.faith and just tell me that you want to have a PDF copy of the book, How to Survive Hard Times, and I'll get it right out to you. And also a word about the website. I really haven't had any time to work on any website, and even my old website is now getting very outdated. Matter of fact, I had someone ask me, what's wrong with your website? You're not putting up your episodes. I'm like, oh boy. Seems like I'm getting my episodes up on all the on all the podcasts and all the people that I have accounts with, but I kind of neglected myself, and for that I apologize. And I'll try to do a better job of keeping my website updated. And the website that I want you to go to yet still is my old one. It's livingoffgridshow.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E, dot com, forward slash, L-O-G show. Livingoffgridshow dot wixsite dot com forward slash log show and the new website that's being built i'll give that url in future shows it's just not up to snuff yet and so i'd rather you visit my old site for right now and again if you have any questions or comments please shoot me an email at jim at offgridliving.faith well i hope this episode has been helpful today I really want to thank everybody for listening. And again, I want to thank those who donate. And if you would like to help support the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show, truly, I would appreciate it. And I take checks, money orders, or cash. And you would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. Thunderbolt West Media. And you would mail to Thunderbolt West Media. P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. 69143. 69143. And your support is greatly appreciated. So I appreciate you listening this week. And until next time, everyone out there, keep your powder dry. Stay strong. Keep informing yourself. Keep learning. Stay well. But most of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.